God bless fantasy football. There are many things a man can do with his time. And this is better than those things. What a week of injuries this week. I mean, I don't know how I feel about fantasy football anymore. I'm sure Nate doesn't know how he feels about fantasy football anymore. This will be a nice, light conversation we'll have throughout the podcast today. I'm your host, past league champion Andrew Gelblatt, joined by my co-host, two-time champion, current Sacco, Andrew Seiler. Seiler, how are you doing after this great week of football? As a fantasy owner that doesn't have Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, I'm doing okay. As a Vikings football fan, I am not doing okay. It's funny. I text my brother, who who I assume has very similar sentiments to you, and he was just like, so it was just like, oh, football's over. Like, is that how you feel about your, like, are you, are you just like, we, we, we're done? Like, you don't care about Vikings football anymore? So, I don't want to say that I'm done, but I'm really close to it. I think what's annoying to me is that Kirk Cousins gives, as a Vikings fan at least, gives me hope in certain situations. So then I'm like, oh, I see this small sample size. You know, maybe if he could just do this for the whole season, it'll all be good. And then he has these games. And I remember when we went to Houston with your brother, the Vikings played the Bears, and I was done. In the airport, I, like, kept saying, I'm done. I'm just turning the game off. We struggled to even, like, move the ball, get one first down. And then he had, like, the month of his life in October. And I'm afraid that he's going to do the exact same thing and get me back on the bandwagon. Just re- reignite the, the, the passion for the – but that's what football is all about. But turning back to the injuries, it was obviously a devastating week for fantasy football owners – uh, owners of Saquon Barkley, Raheem Mostert, uh, 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 Christian McCaffrey. You had who else? Corlin Sutton got hurt. You had a bunch of you know important defensive players on San Francisco get hurt, which is big for their defense. Brutal, brutal week for fantasy owners. Devontae Adams for you, Siler, is not 100%. Julio Jones is definitely not at 100%. Big name players got called out. Now he's not playing on Thursday Night Football. Who? DJ Chark. Yes, I saw that. He's out. You know, a lot of big names out. How do you? It's 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 fun, right? It's funny, right? We I I don't know if you read any of like the ESPN blog posts on on fantasy football, but if you read them, they'll always say things like, "Oh, you should put in a waiver claim for X Y Z." They're 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 not owned in. 96% of ESPN leagues. And it's like, well, obviously someone owns them in our league. Like there's no like Nate or Russell or Dane or Noah. Someone was just like, oh, I'm going to just stash Devontae Freeman. Well, Noah actually made it. Noah, to his credit, has now not played a defense two weeks in a row, but made it an incredibly smart move of because his defense played Monday night, dropping them and picking up Devontae Freeman, who was technically a free agent. Noah, you know, we're going to discuss how his team is in the power rankings. I hope that by not playing defenses that it will come back to bite him in the tiebreakers. I really do because it's kind of paying off in who he's keeping on his, his bench is better than like, he has the best bench in the league. Right. But like, um, and it allowed him to make the trade with Nate, which we could talk about. Yeah, in the we'll talk about that. I hope it comes back to bite him in the end. Yeah. I, I, I agree too. He's a he's he's pretty cocky about his team right now. So I I definitely like to see Noah get brought down a notch or something for the way he's feeling right now. But 
we got our typical show for you guys. We'll go over the scores of last week. We'll talk about a few trades that happened in our league between prior, you know, after Siler and I did our episode last week and, and, and just right now this week. We'll go over our power rankings and then go for our projections for this week's matchup. So going into, you know, I'll, I'll share it from my perspective, uh, at least from my order. You had myself against Caniglio. The two top scoring teams felt like a real siler during that matchup of 2019. <laughs> Second highest scoring team with 156 points. Unfortunately, of course, McCaffrey gets hurt, and all I needed was a wide receiver. My wide receivers that each have five or six points each, and I would have won. Doesn't happen. Caniglio puts up a dominant performance behind a 47 point Dak Prescott game, which is just as a Falcons fan was terrible to watch a big Nick Chubb game, a big Terry McLaurin game. For me, Aaron Jones really rode me to 156 points, but the rest of my team did pretty well. I think, and I'm just going to bring up the stat for those who don't know it already. I saw something that said for teams that scored 39 points and (laughs) they won like 400 and something games and had never lost the game. 440. yeah, there you go. And, of course, this had to happen. And, and of course, it had to happen against Gelblatt also. Um, but I think what really screwed him over is the Paris Campbell and Anthony Miller. Uh, I assume Anthony Miller got hurt also. But nope. Paris Campbell, oh, no, he did. Oh, nope. he also dropped a touchdown I, was, I saw. So that was fun to watch. Okay, I take that one back. But the Paris Campbell getting injured on, like, the first drive of the game – uh, is what kills you. And I think this should bring up at the end of the season a former rule change that I tried to get through, which was if someone gets hurt in like the first quarter, then you should be able to put someone in from your bench. I like that. You know what, if you, we should bring back, if, if I am like argue, argumental with you when you try to propose that this year, if you bring back this clip, I'll say, <laughs> you're right. I, I, I would have liked that. So you yeah. Tough loss to me, but I am the top scoring team of the league right now. So, you know, that, that's, that is a positive. We can talk about that in power rankings. Next, we had Noah against Nate. Nate, obviously, decimated team. Uh, Saquon Barkley gets hurt. Cortland Sutton gets hurt. Uh, Peterson puts up four points. Chris Herdman puts up one point. Scotty Miller with two points. At Noah, with not even that impressive of a performance by his team, obviously Kyler Murray had a nice day with 34 points. Outside of that, he had a pretty average week uh, and then also not playing defense. I think this week kind of showed how much Noah needed to improve at the tight end position, and, and we'll go into that a little bit when we talk about the trades. But I don't know that I've seen a team get so decimated so quickly ever before in the league than Nate's team. Like, just looking at this, I mean, he has he had Kittle on IR, Zigbo IR, you know, Sutton and Saquon basically out for the year now. Like, it's been two weeks, yeah. and his whole team is just destroyed. So yeah, it's really unfortunate. It, has to, it happens to someone. It did have to happen to someone, and it's kind of fitting that it happened in their, in their rivalry game. Um, so it seems like, uh, Nate, you have a bit of a disadvantage going forward in Lee's division. 
Okay, next up we had Corals against you. Corals with a huge performance, 143 to 94. Big games by Kamara, Mike Evans, Miles Sanders. You did get a big performance out of Aaron Rodgers, but Devontae Adams was basically shut down, which really put you out of this one. Corals' team is looking pretty hot if they can stay healthy. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, if Tom Brady can continue the connection with Evans and Sanders looks good, I mean, his whole team has basically looked good so far. And then they just kind of lucked into Jarek McKinnon, um, you know, when they picked him up now that Tevin Coleman's out for four weeks and um, who knows how long Mostert's going to be out for. He's very injury prone. So I think that their team is very good and they are one of the few teams that benefited from all the injuries that are happening. Yeah, on the flip side, your team, Devontae Adams, five points. Will Fuller getting shut out, zero, zero points. How do you feel about that? Does that make you a little nervous? It made me a little nervous. I think Fuller was in and out of the game from injuries. Uh, stop me if you've heard that before. Um, <laughs> I think you, I literally quote you from, like, the first week being, like, if, if as long as Fuller doesn't get hurt, he'll be a top uh, you know, I'm just fortunate that it seems like he's healthy. I haven't heard a, a Roto World report to this point of Will Fuller, but I, I think he's supposed to play. Um, but honestly, I'm not that worried. I mean, I think Mixon has had a rough couple weeks, but he had a similar start. I think Scott had him last year in the last, like, six or eight weeks he killed it. So I'm not too worried going forward. Um, and my team didn't get hit with injuries as much as other teams did. So True. That's always a positive. Next matchup we had was Brian against Wyatt. Uh, Wyatt wins 139 to 124. Huge performance by Russell Wilson. And then really just consistently good performances. Dalvin Cook with a solid game. Melvin Gordon with a solid game. DeAndre Hopkins, DJ Moore, both solid games. Uh, No one really blowing up. On the flip side, Brian really riding the tail of Josh Allen's 43 points. Darren Waller's 26 points to keep up. Uh, unfortunate Todd Gurley, David Johnson couldn't keep, Julio Jones couldn't keep up with the rest of the team. Otherwise, uh, you know, we, we might have seen something different. It is got to feel good for Brian, though, to see Fournette with such a huge role in that Bucks offense because that might be, you know, it's funny going into the draft, going post-draft, I had said that Fournette was his worst pick and Cam Akers was his best pick. Uh, my, I might be wrong. I might be reversed. <laughs> Well, I honestly feel like this is a bit of a fluke for Fournette. I saw one of his runs at, like, the end of the game where he was just trying to get a first down, and he just broke free for, like, 50 yards, which I don't think he could really do very often. He's not – it's weird also because when I watched the first Tampa Bay game of the year, Fournette had, like, no role at all. And uh, He he literally just got traded, like, the week before. Well, like when you're running, I mean, AP got traded how many days before Detroit and he ran for 94 yards in their debut. Um, but it was just surprising because, uh, you know, the other, I can't think of the other Tampa Bay running back. I don't know why, but uh, thank you. Ronald Jones actually looked pretty good in week one. So it was weird to see the switch. Um, you know what but, happened? What'd you say? So Ronald Jones fumbled a pitch from Tom Brady and that was kind of the end of Ronald Jones playing. Ah, got it. Well, that really does benefit Brian then. Yeah. Um, Julio being hurt, though, is going to be interesting because he always plays hurt. Um, But this one might be more severe. But Wyatt, I have nothing negative to say. Your team killed it, and you keep trending on up. 
He does have an interesting bench, and we can talk about this more when we talk about power rankings. Uh, you know, his he has a really solid bench, but I don't ever he's never gonna play anyone on his bench. Like like he's got he's got Cam Newton, and I don't see a game where he's ever gonna play Cam Newton over Russell Wilson. And he keeps on trying to trade Cam Newton to me, being like, Oh, like, you know, you need a quarterback, you need a quarterback, but I'm not gonna give him the value he's gonna want for Cam Newton. So I feel like he's gonna be stuck with Cam he's he's gonna have forty points on his bench every single week, being like, Oh, some weeks I should have played Russell Wilson. I should have played Cam Newton. It's just a weird place to be. Like, if you're not going to bench Russell Wilson against Bill Belichick's defense, you can't bench Russell Wilson. So I agree. He's just going to sit there the entire year. Yeah. The next game we had was Dane against Russell. Russell, big win, 149-102. to 102. Good performances from Diggs, Kelsey, and then luckily for him, Mostert had an 80-yard touchdown before he got hurt. From Dane's side, never good to see when you see top performers. It's his quarterback, Matt Ryan, with 32, and then it's his defense and kicker as the next two highest. It's a little bit of a rough spot for Dane right now. He's 0-2. It'll be interesting to see how he can come back from this, especially with DJ Shark being hurt and him not having much depth at running back on his team to be able to fill in for uh, as his RB2. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a bit of a rough patch, especially because Zach Moss is questionable and might not play. Um, But I think LaVisca Chenault Jr. actually is going to do really well in place of DJ Chark because he's going to soak up all those targets. Yeah. Uh, But the the only thing I'll say about Dane's team is that while most teams are decimated, like with injuries for the whole year, he's got Michael Thomas probably coming back in the next couple weeks, and James White isn't actually hurt. It's more of a tragedy that happened to him. So I think a lot of his, you know, big names that he needs back will be back in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And then not our last, it's our last matchup. Let me see. Our next matchup, which is our last matchup, was Lee against Scott. Crazy game. Lee squeaks out a win, 111.38 to 111.2. Big performances by Calvin Ridley and a surprisingly good performance by James Conner, who I think most people had shrugged off thinking that uh, Snell was going to have a bigger role in the team given his injury. You hate to see Lee, again, still not putting in acquisitions for another tight end to try to improve, but he's riding his his team, and we've said this all along. Lee's, as long as Lee's team doesn't get hurt with injuries, he's always going to have a solid team because he always just drafts whoever the best available player is during the draft. And I spoke about this with him, or I was, ta- I was texting him, and the fact that he started Naheem Hines over Julian Edelman really almost cost him in this right. Um but, yeah, I mean, in a, in a Monday night football where Mr. Brightside was playing at halftime by the Killers and, like, everything was trending in Scott's direction. It happened. And then, of course, and even when we implemented this rule change of, you know, oh, every yard by the QB is going to be .04 points. Like, when I mentioned that, Scott's eyes got bigger and he just, like, thought to himself, like, this, I'm going to get fucked by this, 100%. And, of course, you know, yeah. It took two weeks, and Scott has already gotten fucked by it. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate for Scott, who, you know, lucky for him, Jonathan Taylor looks legit. So he's got a real RB2 now, which really saves his team. And, and we'll have, you know, I think Deshaun Watson has had a, a few rough games, but I think he'll, he'll bounce back in the, the next few weeks and show why he's supposed to be a top five, top six fantasy quarterback. So those are the matchups. Those are the last week's games. 
We move into standings real quick just to get a little bit of an overview. You got in the former champs division, all three teams currently one and one. Uh, when you look at a points four standpoint, though, it goes Caniglio, then Corals, then, then Siler. In the empty trophy case, empty trophy trophy case division, we have Wyatt sitting at two and zero, oh, Brian at one and one, and Scott at zero oh and two. Wyatt with the third most points in the league. In the two champions plus Dane division, we have uh, Russell at two and zero, oh, myself at one and one, Dane at zero oh and two. Russell and I are the two top scoring teams in the league. And in Lee's division, you have Lee sitting on top at two and zero, oh, which I'm glad we get to keep the name still. Noah sitting at one and one, and unfortunately Nate, let's go COVID at zero and two. Any thoughts on the standings? Um, I think it's it's a bit surprising for it's upsetting to me that Scott is zero and two because I had so much faith, and it's annoying also because his team is actually really good. It just feels like they're underperforming every week. Um, so we'll see if they can actually put together a strong performance, but. Um, I guess the biggest surprises for me are Scott at 0-2, Lee at 2-0, and Nate at 0-2. Yeah, I mean, Russell is pretty – you know, Russell obviously has the second most points for right now, but he does have under 200 points against, being the only – like, you know, 30 points under uh, 200, while Coniglio is sitting at 310 points against. So Russell's team will be interesting to see how that – that always works out with the points for, points against – um, I think it's interesting to see in the empty trophy case, tr- empty trophy case division. Uh, I'm really glad to see Wyatt sitting at two and zero because, as I said before, he is my he was my 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 preseason choice to win the whole thing. I will also note, just so that we're all aware, you were talking about Noah points four before. He is the fourth lowest scoring team in the league. You know, if if you were to, even if you were to add twenty points for let's say two, like two ten point games from defenses, he would be the fifth lowest scoring team. So interesting that we keep praising Noah's team so much, but he's kind of middle of the pack right now in points for. But moving forward, let's talk about two trades that happened really quick. We had going into the week. Brian and Quarles, a trade that was kind of it was a little surprising because I don't think either of us were thinking like oh. Brian needs to go out and get a tight end and Corals needs a wide receiver, but I guess it makes sense. It's in Titan fight. We have Coral sending over Darren Waller from the Las Vegas Raiders uh, in exchange for John Brown from the Buffalo Bills, both players having tremendous performances the following week. So obviously, I mean, they both, unfortunately for Brian, Darren Waller kept him in the game, but didn't win it for him. But for Quarles, having another wide receiver like John Brown seems to really solidify their wide receiver core. I think it was a fair trade. Okay, so I guess at first glance when I saw it, I was like, holy shit, like Brian won this one by a mile because I like John Brown a lot. I think he's, you know, a great receiver, but he has to compete with Diggs, who's a much better receiver, and Josh Allen's very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Darren Waller's a top you know, 10 tight end, if not better than that, maybe top five. Mm -hmm. Um, So at first I thought Brian won by a lot. um, And I gave him a lot of shit for having Mike Gusecki, who is now on my roster. Uh, (laughs) So I'm happy to say I'm a hypocrite. But I now, after this last performance, I mean, it seems to be working out for both parties. And 
Um, we gave them a lot of shit for their two tight end strategy. Uh, yeah, the only thing I think about is that they drafted Darren Waller in the fifth and they just traded for Brian's ninth round pick, right? Like I, I, I tried looking back and there weren't too many crazy wide receivers on the board. So I guess technically Darren Waller is a good, like, I mean, he, he, he's going to perform like a wide receiver. Yeah, he was unguardable in that Monday night game. They tried like two or three different people and nobody had any answer for him. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it was a fair trade. We'll have to see how that one pans out. But in the second trade happening on Wednesday, we had Noah and and, and Nate doing a, a little quick exchange. We were making fun of Noah before for having too much depth. He's, he was putting it to good use, and he trades James Robinson, Noah Fant, and Marquise Brown for George Kittle and Antonio Gibson. And I actually think this is a oddly fair trade. Nate was in desperate need for positions everywhere, we don't know what's going on with Kittle. You know, we don't know how well he's going to recover. And also, I know he had his breakout year a few years ago with Nick Mullins, so I'm not concerned about quarterback play. But it is important to know that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be out for a little bit. If Kittle plays, I think it's a fantastic trade and I think very fair. But it's interesting because I feel like Noah Fant is actually a top five tight end this season, it seems like. And no, it's a very small margin of points for that Nate had to give up in George Kittle to get Noah Fant to then also get a running back like James Robinson, who seems like a legitimate RB one at minute, like a floor of an RB two. And then a wide, a boomer bust wide receiver to replace Cortland Sutton. Nate, I feel like is still in this with this trade. I think I don't want to say both teams needed to make this because Nate definitely needed to make it a lot more than Noah. I think Nate wins this trade by a little bit um, because I don't think Noah Fant is a TE tight end one, especially when you have Blake Bortles, who's probably going to be their starting quarterback for the next, like, I don't know, six weeks or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't really believe in Noah Fant's value. Um, So – but, but like, Kittle, it depends on his health. Antonio Gibson, I have zero faith in at this point. So, you know, I, I just think that Nate needed to make the deal. He made it, and it could keep him in yeah. contention. I think a lot of fantasy owners would be hesitant to give away your second-round pick for anything. But I think it was really smart of Nate – or third-round pick, I forget what it was. But it was smart of Nate to realize if he wants to stay competitive, he needs to make a move like this. And it was good on Noah to use his bench to, to get a third-round pick. Like, he basically traded his, like – sixth round his 15th round and a free agent for the third you know a third round pick so it was a good I think it was a really fair trade both ways I think that's everything on the trades let's move on to power rankings and I think our if you haven't heard anything from our viewers otherwise but they've been enjoying you going through yours, and I'll chime in on why you're wrong. And I looked at yours really briefly, and I think you are extremely wrong this week and did not put a lot of things into account when making your power rankings. Okay, well, I look forward to hearing the feedback. Um, But I have at 12, let's go COVID. Um, I think – and to be honest, this was kind of – I don't know that I took into account the trade. I don't know when it went through, but I kind of made it a little before that. But even so, I would probably have you at 11 if I didn't have you at 12. Um, I've met 11. I, yeah. I, I took into account the trade. I have Dana at 12. 
Okay, I just think, I mean, it's not like it's even your fault at this point. You just kind of got fucked by the fantasy football gods and having some of your top five picks be hurt for the entire year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not a slight to you. I think you're actually doing a decent job with the cards that you've been dealt. And uh, good luck in Lee's division. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 the same thing. I think we, I think he's now in a much better position than he was on Tuesday, for sure. And I think he, I don't, I don't, I feel like in our league this year, there aren't too many powerhouse teams. Like, think about like the Jamal cost year with Nate. Like, no one was going to beat that team. Like, there are some years where the top team is just unbeatable. I don't see a top. I, we, I, we have very good teams this year, and I think there's going to be teams that obviously score a lot of points, but I think every team in our league is beatable, which is, is makes for a very fun fantasy year. I would agree. I think that everyone is beatable. I would say that the top three teams on my power rankings, I think are a little bit above right. the other right now, but um, that's not to say that they can't lose on any given week. I agree. And I think we both seems like we, you have Dane at 11 or. Yes, I do. Um, and then a lot of that is because of injuries too. I think, I don't think Michael Thomas is supposed to be back this week, but if he's back next week, he's going to provide a huge boost to your team. Um, and James White will also for the running back position, but you still are just lacking it at RB2 and, and, you know, well, your flex will get better, but your RB2 isn't great. And once Galladay gets back, I think Hawkinson's value is going to go down. So I, I'm just not in love with your roster right now. And I think I think we're also undervaluing, not undervaluing, but we're just not noting, even with Michael Thomas, Drew Brees does not look that amazing as a quarterback this year. So I think even with Michael Thomas back, he's going to be a stud, don't get me wrong. But his team is lacking that superstar 50 point, like Aaron, like for me, like Aaron Jones with 50 points. Like he doesn't have that player that outside of Michael Thomas, maybe Kenyon Drake, but even that Kyler Murray is running the ball more. So really taking away from that. So I had him very low as well. Okay. So this one hurt me to do, um, but I had to put Scott at 10 and I don't even know that Scott has that bad of a roster. It's just like if you're going to keep coming up small in these situations, especially when you lose to Lee by 0.18 points um, on the last play of Monday Night Football, uh, I have to put you lower in my rankings. You're 0-2. You kind of have a similar situation to what we said with Noah, though, where, like, I don't know who you're supposed to bench at times. Like, you have Higby and Jonu Smith. I don't know who you're supposed to play. Um, you know, yeah. Parker, CD, like he has so much depth that I would just have a headache trying to figure out who to play every week. Yeah, I'm, I had him at 10 too. I feel like his receivers are making me nervous just through the first two weeks because of the poor play by Kirk Cousins. I don't know if Tom Brady can support two wide receivers like Seamus Winston was able to do. I, I, and, I, and, if, and if I have to pick that second receiver, it seems like it's Mike Evans and Scotty Miller as opposed to Godwin. So that gets me a little concerned about his running wide receiver one. But like you were saying, he has so much depth at wide receiver that if, let's say, Chris Godwin does kind of fall off the map, he's able to plug in someone else. 
I am nervous about his bye week running back situations, but that, oh, I didn't look at that. Well, yeah, I mean, he literally has two. He has Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. Those are the only running backs on his team. And Thielen is on bye that week too. <laughs> oh, I, I had him at ten at ten as well. Okay. Um. So at nine. So I have you at nine, and I you I actually struggled with the most out of everyone because at first when I was doing the power rankings, I had you at like five, and then I like thought about it, and without Christian McCaffrey, I just can't put you that high. Losing the number one pick of the entire draft is just such a killer, and while Mike Davis will give you some value, and it's great you have his handcuff he will provide nowhere near the amount of value of Christian McCaffrey. So with that, I just think that it, it really decimates your team a lot, and I'm much less scared of facing your team right now. Okay, well, first off, I'm the, the top-scoring team in the league, and I think if you replace Christian McCaffrey with Mike Davis for those two weeks, I would still be one of the top four scoring teams in the league. So I'm not too concerned about the value I've gotten from Christian McCaffrey just yet. And again, he's only supposed to be gone. Hopefully it's four weeks at most six. And Mike Davis will be a 10, 15 point per game substitute, which is not that much more than Christian McCaffrey was getting over the past few weeks. I think Ben Roethlisberger has been a huge surprise and a legitimate quarterback for my team. And Aaron Jones can kind of fill that McCaffrey. I think Aaron Jones will fill that McCaffrey role and Mike Davis will play the role of Aaron Jones. Getting Kenny Galladay back is huge for my team. And if Julio Jones is hurt, Russell Gage becomes a massive wide receiver from my lacking wide receiver depth. So I actually had myself at four because I don't know how you could put the top, the, a team that has consistently scored in the top four position the first two weeks below six. I mean – I'm curious what other people would think also, but I'm much less scared of run CMC without CMC. <laughs> um, but anyway, at number eight, I have your brother. So do I. He got a little bump in my rankings because he upgraded at tight end with Darren Waller, which uh, I had previously said he needed to do while Mike Gusecki proceeded to score like 20-something points. Um but I think your his team's trending up, but so much of his team depends on Julio's health. Um, Josh Allen has been a pleasant surprise, but he's versed two of the shittiest defenses in all of football for the first two weeks. Um, gets the Rams shut down Rams D this week, so we'll we'll see how he does when Diggs is getting shadowed by um, by Jalen Ramsey and versus Aaron Donald. I just think. He's in for a bit of a tough week this week, but his team is still looking better than it was a week ago. Yeah, I think the Julio injury is big. The running back uncertainty is big. But if things start trending, obviously, you know, this is kind of a stupid comment, but if things start trending in the right directions for some of his players, he he has the, the pieces to possibly get moved up in the rankings. Definitely. Um, at number seven, I have Russell. Good who- life. Oh, okay. And Russell, I know you have the most points, but like I, the injuries to your team with no running backs before, I mean, I think you, you had a great pickup this week with uh, Daryl Henderson um, because he's 
there was no one even close on waivers that could give you value aside from him. And I guess Jeff Wilson was a good pickup too, but like the fact this week that you're starting Devin Singletary, who I don't know if Zach Moss is out, he'll actually be pretty good this week, but Jeff Wilson Jr. and Miles Gaskin. Those are your three running backs that you're starting. I cannot put you higher than seven with those running backs. Yeah, it's a weird spot. I think he's one of those shady teams that can put up a ton of points any week. And I'm surprised he's not playing, you know, Roby Anderson, who's been actually doing very well the past few weeks. I think he's had 26 and 15 points. I think the Chargers have a pretty good D. Yeah, they they, do. They they shut down Mahomes for the most part. So I don't – I guess I see what you're saying, though, if he's going to play Miles Gaskin over Roby Anderson. So, yeah. I didn't realize I have to watch the Thursday night game now to see how Miles Gaskin does. That's exciting. That's a really great way to spend a Thursday night watching Jaguars, Dolphins. I will not be watching LaVisca Cheneau Jr. I don't think I can turn on this game. Um, I, I agree with you. I think he has, you know, outside of Kelsey and Lamar Jackson, his team is like, although, I mean, I mean Stefan Diggs is the number four ranked wide receiver and DK Metcalf is number seven. So what am I, who am I to say? Well, I know Buffalo played Miami and the Jets so far. So we'll see how, you know, Josh Allen plays when he goes against an actual team. Yeah. But Okay. So what do you have at six? At six, I have myself. Uh, sadly, I moved myself down after a poor performance and the questionable tag on Devontae Adams. Um, I still think I have a solid team. I mean, week one, I scored the most points. Week two, I had a rough week. Um, but I think combined with my uh, solid starting lineup, I think I have a pretty decent bench also. And if Devontae Adams can't go, I have – his wide receiver handcuff, if you want to look at it like that. So, yeah, no, I have you at, at I have you at nine actually. So like, screw you, Siler. Um, <laughs> I feel, you know, with your team, I, um, you know, it seems like the Bengals are always going to be down. And so they're going to throw the ball a lot and Joe Mixon won't get as many opportunities as he should. And I, I, I think with the, Seahawks, it's kind of the opposite where they're trying to unleash Russell, and so they're letting him throw the ball more. And so now he's not getting as many opportunities as he would have last year. And with Devontae Adams hurt, I I don't know. I just don't trust your team. I, I think this was a good, like, bringing you back to reality of what your team might actually be doing every week. So we'll have to see how this averages out after three weeks. Well, they have to prove you're wrong this week, and that's fine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I had you at, I had you at nine. Okay. Uh, So this week I have Quarles at five, which I had them at nine last week. I had them Uh, at five. I had them at 11 last week. Yeah, I mean, I felt like we had to move them up. I mean, their team – last week it was kind of tough because Miles Sanders didn't play week one. And, you know, Mike Evans was a little iffy, and there were a lot of injury concerns. Um, And they're still kind of all with A.J. Brown and Lindsey. But, I mean, your team has just – had some fortunate news with Jordan Kinnon and a lot of your players are exceeding expectations and your team's trending up. Yeah. I think like solid, like all your players are playing really solid. So it's hard to, hard to see you You know, I think the hardest decision you're going to have to make every week is do you play golf or do you play Stafford? Yeah, that is, a, I guess this week it's easy because one's in Buffalo and one's 
against Arizona. But, yeah, that is going to be a tough one because they both probably score around the same amount of points every week. Yeah. Um, so, for number four, I'm pleased to announce that I have Mr. Lee. Wow. I have him at six, so pretty close. Uh, I think he had, as we've said multiple times, a solid draft. The tight end is the one thing that he needs to improve on um, because Hooper just doesn't seem to be involved in the Browns' offense after two weeks. Yeah. Um, But And his QB also, I I don't know what to think of Wentz because he gets no time to throw, but I imagine that he's going to turn things around. But so it's weird because the QB is one of the most important positions and he hasn't excelled at it, but he's still 2-0. but I think the rest of his team is just so strong and is just putting up so many points that it's going to get him through most of the weeks. Yeah, the thing I worry with him is a James Conner injury or a Julian. Like, he has so many players that – and this is a, a stupid comment, but in the, you know, Julian Edelman gets concussions all the time. James Conner gets hurt all the time. Juju is questionable right now. Like, I, I could easily see – Edelman and Connor getting hurt, and then all of a sudden him playing Tariq Cohen and Golden Tate, and us being like, okay, now it's a. Well, I wonder if he'll ever play Naheem Hines ever again after last week. <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, okay, so also I feel like four has to be the highest I've ever had Lee in a power ranking. So I would bet that I've that that's probably you know Nate. I know Nate is very good at keeping track of things we say on this podcast. So Nate, if you want to just kind of go back in your memory and see what you remember the highest Lee ever being ranked. That would be helpful. Nate, if you want to reach out to the Elias Sports Bureau, let me know what they say. Um, So so number three, uh, I have Noah this week. I have Noah at three as well. I I would assume, yeah, I have Noah at three. I think our last three are probably the same. Oh, so I guess our rank, our rankings aren't so different. It's just right, you made one you made one terrible mistake somehow putting me the highest scoring team in the league at, at nine. Look, I'd like to hear one some injury. Other, I'd like to hear some other people's uh, opinions on that also. But getting back to the rankings, no, I have you at three. Kyler Murray looks very legit after two weeks. Josh Jacobs is a little banged up, so I'm curious to see how long if he misses any time. Um, but your trade for Kittle gives you, I mean, the top one or two tight end in the whole league. Your roster's trending upwards. Uh, I still don't love Odell, but aside from that, I mean, I think your team is very strong. Yeah, it's interesting because now it's, it didn't, you know, he put he gave a lot for Kittle, but now his bench is actually not as strong as I remember it being, right? I mean, Ronald Jones might not be the starter anymore. Marvin Jones Jr. with Kenny Galladay back loses a ton of value. Chase Edmonds has no value right now. Dallas Goddard, you know, he's he's a good tight end, but he's never going to start him over Kittle. He be, and Gibson has not really done anything at all. So, I, you know, and then Freeman, we don't know. So, he, he's got a good bench in the sense of, like, people to plug in if someone was to get hurt for a week or, like, for bye weeks. But he doesn't have that much depth if like there's like a, a serious long-term commitment to one of like, his players getting hurt. It's funny. Cause he's going to definitely bitch at us uh, later tonight or tomorrow. And he'd be like, first you guys say I have too much depth. Then you say I have too little depth. Um, we moved him up. I moved him up from, he was my eighth, eighth ranked team last week. Now he's back at three. He was three, then eight. Now he's back at three. Yeah. I have him at four, then six, then three as well. But um 
Keep doing what you're doing, Noah. Yeah, no, he's got he's got players that can blow up. Like that's what you need to win a fantasy football league. You need like at least two players who can blow up. Definitely. So do you have Caniglio at two or Wyatt at two? I have Caniglio at two. Um, right. Caniglio got so unlucky, and I I didn't think of this before you were going over like points against. But he played my team week one, who had the most amount of points, and then he played your team week two, who had the second most amount of points. Yeah. So so far, Caniglio's got a little shitty luck on the schedule, but yeah, weak defense. He, yes, very weak defense. But um, also, you know, just shout out, congratulations, Stephen, on passing your test. I know that. You know, I, basically, the second you said you passed, I knew I lost because I was like, all the luck in the world has got to be on your side right now. And it just gives us more hope for statistics with Steve because before you didn't have this, you know, you didn't pass this test, so they were a little suspect. Your <laughs> now, now we will believe, you know, your statistics fully. Um, but, yeah, no, your, your team is really, really good. Um, Dak seems to be just, like, playing out of his mind. Um, and Zeke also is incredible. I mean – I do. I am concerned about his wide receivers with Mitch Trubisky play for Allen Robinson and AJ Green kind of being a little rusty. So I am worried about Allen Robinson a little bit because Trubisky sucks, but he does have a get right matchup this week in the Falcons. <laughs> um, AJ Green is very interesting to me because every week I've I've watched. I definitely watched the Thursday night game, so I saw him, and the first week I saw a few highlights. He makes these incredible catches, but he only has like one foot in bounds or there's something. And I look at his final statistic line. It's like two catches for like 10 yards. It could easily have been for like 60, 70, 80 yards. So I'm waiting for him to actually get one of these catches to count and to put it together. But I'm not worried about AJ Green, just a little bit about Allen Robinson. Okay, that's fair. And then at number one, you got my boy Wyatt, my, my projected winner of the league. I yeah, I mean I, I there's not much that I could argue with there. I mean Wyatt has super strong team at every position. Um I, Jared Cook, I, I'm a little disappointed that he hasn't stepped up a little bit more with Michael Thomas being out and Gallup seems to be the wide receiver three in that offense. But I mean maybe his role will increase week to week. But overall Wyatt has a nice amount of depth. Uh, his starters, a bunch of them can pop off at any moment. So I, I don't I, – why it has to be number one in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, and I know this is kind of a longer episode. So let's – we're going to we'll jump right into our matchups for this week. Just for the listeners at home, I'm currently up. I'm 7-5, and five, Salah's 5-7 five and seven for our predictions. Let's, let's rattle through these. We've got – I'll start from the bottom – we have Lee against Wyatt. So you're number four against number one. Wyatt right now is a seven-point favorite, 122 to 115. Oh, my God. This is a tough one. Two 2-0 two teams. So this is these are the only two – actually, no, sorry. There's three 2-0 teams. This is for possibly first place in the entire league. I, my, my, my gut is telling me Wyatt, but my heart is telling me Lee. And I can't decide which one I want to pick. I think I'm going to go with Wyatt. Okay. This is like the flex matchup. This has like been flexed to Sunday night football. 
as you said, the 2-0 versus the 2-0. I, I'm going to go with Wyatt in this one. I think his team's a little bit better. And maybe by us picking Wyatt, it'll give Lee a little fire to step up and, and uh, step up to the Sunday night football stage. <laughs> so our next matchup we have is Brian against Nate. Brian is a seven-point favorite, and it's tough. You know, uh, it is. You know, I think it's unfortunate that Nate can't start both Gardner Minshew and Patrick Mahomes, and in which case, I think he would have a chance. But because he has to only start one, I'm gonna go with my brother. You know, I actually, I think I'm gonna go Nate in this one. I think he just has four. I mean, he has three Colts matchups. He has Colts D against do you know the Jets receivers right now I do no they're not great because I don't even at this point they could just take somebody I think Adam Gaze said uh, if you have a pulse like that's just what we need at wide receiver right now so I'm gonna go with Nate to pull off the upset and get off the schneid hmm. Next, we have two one and one teams quarrels against Caniglio Caniglio right now is a three-point favorite 121 to 124 I'm going to go with Quarles, though. I think Caniglio's team levels off, and Quarles' team seems pretty. It seems like one of those matchups where Caniglio puts up 130, but then Quarles puts up 145. These are two solid teams that are projected to get a ton of points, um, and they're in my division, so I'm fortunate that one of them is going to lose. Um, I am going to go with Caniglio. Okay. Wow. We're differentiating. Next matchup we have is Noah against Scott. Noah is an 11 point favorite. Scott 2 0 2, Noah 1 1. Really important game for Scott. I'm going to have to go with Noah, though. Scott, I pick you every week and you let me down every single week. You Um, have to pick him. He was your pick. I think I'm going to pick Scott. And I think this is my bold prediction after watching the Vikings for two straight weeks. Derrick Henry is putting up 45 points. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Ryan Tannehill is playing like a, a, a monster right now. And if they don't have to run the ball, like he, he's, he's getting four he's – like, he's throwing like four touchdowns for 170 yards. It's like such a crazy statistic or stat line. They don't need to throw. We can't stop someone going forward for eight yards a run. So I think Derrick Henry is about to blow up this game. Keep that in mind, Russell. DraftKings, Derrick Henry this week. Next we have you against Dane. You are a 17-point favorite. I can't see Dane winning this matchup. I'm going to go with you. Um, I have to go with myself in this matchup, but I will be upset if LaVisca Chanel scores 25 points. And lastly, we have myself against Russell. Division game, he's 2-0 and on 1-1. and So this is for lead the either a tie or lead in the division. I guess not even a tie because if I beat him, I already have more points for than him. So this is basically for, the, for first place in the division. He's projected to win by 10 points. I will go with myself, though, because every week I've been projected to score 100 points and I outperform it every time. Uh, I'm going to go Russell... And I expect an apology when next week, if you're number nine again. <laughs> you're telling me if I score another 100, let's say 35 points, you would 
keep me at number nine as long as McCaffrey's out? Uh, if you get 135, I'd consider moving you up to, like, seven. But I don't know how high I could – I'm just not scared at all. But, if, but, but uh, okay. I told – I've been saying since week one I've got a scrappy team. People are going to look at it. They're not going to be scared of it. But I've got guys who are going to put up big points. You better that was be with the number one. That was with the number one pick in the entire draft. Right, and now I don't have them. And now I can finally say my team's actually scrappy. Okay, we'll just have to see how your team does. <laughs> All right, guys. Good episode. I think, you know, this is – week three is a weird week because for a lot of teams – it kind of sets the stage of how they feel it's going to happen the rest. Like, so if you start 0-3, that's so much ground. I think we always say you need – oh, you know, what we, you know what we didn't even do? I'm so sorry, guys. Let's go back. Salah, can you rattle off all the matchups again, and I'll give the head-to-head yes. stats? Yes. Give me a second. So I know I play, I play Russell, so, I'm not, you know, if you, ha- if you want to make any changes based off of this, feel free to. Uh, Russell and I were four. I he is five. He's won five times. I've won four times. He's currently on a three-game winning streak. Uh, I know you play Dane, so I'll just put that in now. Where is Dane? Dane is right here. You uh, Dane is up six to five on you. He's on a five-game winning streak against you. Wow. Then we have who do we have? We had Quarles against another good team against Caniglio. Against Caniglio. And they are tied four and four. So anyone's game. Then you had Brian against who was Brian against Nate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate is ten and two against Brian, so that bodes well in your favor. And then we had Lee against who was Lee it against Wyatt? Lee against Wyatt. Let me plug that in right here. And Wyatt is six and three. Am I forgetting any matchups? Yes, uh, Noah against Scott. I'd imagine Noah just has dominated Scott in the past. You say he's been dominated, and that would be incorrect. He's up, and they, they, he's up five to four in the series. Scott's actually on a two-game winning streak, though. Shocking, actually, with Noah's like repeat, you know, history of success. Yeah, Scott's uh, lack thereof. And just so you guys know, that link that I shared with everyone is in the description of the podcast. It's updated every Tuesday, Wednesday. So it is updated for including week two stats if you're interested. But as always, always a fun time. I'm your host, Andrew Gelblad. Siler, any last words before we log off? Good luck to all. And Scott, don't let me down. All right, guys. Have a good one. Oh, thank you.